You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, July 12, 2020, by the Reverend Lex Breckenridge, Rector at St. Thomas. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen! A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Well, hello, friends. As uh, Father Steve mentioned at the at the top here, we are pre-recording this service uh, to allow us to take a short break, uh, and I am recording uh, this uh, short homily uh, in my office. So I'm um, pleased to be with you. I hope uh, this format is is okay with you. Uh, but I do want to uh, say a few words about our reading from the letter to the Romans this morning. It's it's a follow-on to the reading that we had last week, the reading that we did last week. Um, we're in the midst of uh, what I believe is one of the, the, the greatest and most important works of Christian theology in um, 2,000 years, and that is Paul's letter to the Romans. And really, chapter 8, which we'll begin this morning, is at the heart of that great theological discourse. 
Uh, and you know, of course, we were we were talking about the end of chapter seven uh, last Sunday. You know, none of these, none of the books of the Bible had chapter and verse. Those are all later editions. Uh, and, and in an epistle, like Paul's epistle, Paul, epistle, Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, it was just one long text, not divided into chapter and verse. So there, there's no natural breaking point uh, or artificial breaking point, as, as these uh, artificially imposed chapters and verses are, between what Paul said uh, last Sunday that we reflected on and what we're going to read today. So let, let, let's remind ourselves of what it was that Paul uh, did say last Sunday. Uh, right at the end of chapter 7, he says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What Paul's capturing there is the human dilemma. We all know the feeling of, of wanting to do what is right, knowing that, that what is right, yet, yet having this internal war going on within ourselves. We can't do what is right. We, our, our impulses take over. Uh, or we, we're, we're in some way uh, disordered. And of course, that all goes back uh, to, to the beautiful creation story, the second creation story, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And it's important to remember that story uh, to give us some background for what I'm uh, about to uh, uh, observe on this morning's text. You remember God has placed Adam and Eve in this, this amazing paradise. And he said, I only ask one thing of you. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You, you can do anything else you want to do. You're here in this beautiful place, but I just have one uh, one." A rule for you to follow. And of course, uh, as soon as God uh, exits the stage, the wily serpent shows up and he whispers in Eve's ear, says, don't be afraid. Don't pay attention to that. Go ahead and eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because then you will be like God. And see, that's our, that's our besetting temptation. That's our, our underlying temptation. Our foundational temptation as human beings is to put ourselves in the place of God, to seat our own imperial ego on the throne of God and push God out of the picture. Oh, God, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. And what happens, of course, uh, that, that, that's the very definition of sin, Sin uh, meaning separation from God, alienation from God. When we put ourselves on the throne, when we put ourselves in God's place, we're alienated from God. And so, you know, that's the, that's the besetting human condition. So it's the reason that we have such difficulty um, um, resisting these temptations, resisting the, uh, the temptation to, to be in control of everything, to be in charge of everything. And of course, you know, how's that work out for us? Most of the time, ultimately, not very well. And so Paul's recognizing that dilemma. And, 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 and he says at the, right at the end of chapter 7, the, 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 only, the only way out, he says, is thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what does he mean by that? 
Well, it's a it's a it's a reference to to God's grace, uh, freely and undeservedly offered to us through Jesus. But if we cut off right there, it's a, well, it's a, it, it could be a little bit opaque. But let's continue on to the beginning of chapter eight that we read this morning. Paul goes on to say, you know, so what does it mean? Uh, when, when he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, now he's going to, chapter 8 is going to unpack that. So let's remind ourselves, he says, there is no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus. Hold that thought. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now let's stop for just a minute and, and uh, see what Paul means when he talks about what seems like this dualistic distinction between spirit and flesh. You know, if, if you read this just on the surface level, you think, oh, of course, the sins of the flesh. You know, when we give ourselves over to the sins of the flesh, you know, lust, fornication, uh, drunkenness, um, uh, gambling, licentiousness, as Paul says elsewhere, um, uh, envy, murder. You know, the, these are what we, when we think of the sins of the flesh, these are what we think of. Well, I want to suggest to you that that's not really what Paul has in mind, because those are just symptoms. Though everything I just mentioned is a symptom of a, of a, uh, of a deeper disorder. You know, these, these symptoms that I just mentioned are, are the product of making others the, the objects of the satisfaction of our own desires. Um, and, and, and that is a symptom of this deeper disorder. This disorder that might best be expressed, returning to that, that second creation story again, by our want to push God off the throne and seat our own imperial egos there. And, and, and we, we, we inherently recognize the, the futility of that. And so what do we do? We create false selves. We create these false personas, these, the, these personas that are that are so well defended, that are so invulnerable, that, that make up these stories about ourselves, that we have to be perfect, we have to be beautiful, we have to be powerful, we have to be rich. Those are the, the products of the false self, the self that wants to defend against uh, the, all the, 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 the suffering and the reality of suffering in the world. That is what Paul would refer to as the flesh the false self, uh, the egoic self, if you will. The spirit, on the other hand, is the true self, the self that, as he says, is in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to that first sentence. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean to be in Christ? Do you know that Paul uses the term en Christo? That's the, that's the Greek to be in Christ. He uses that over 90 times in, in his letters. What it means to be in Christ is this, this, this mystical uh, understanding that Christ dwells within us. It's the true self. It's the spirit. 
So the spirit and the flesh are not two different things. The spirit and the flesh are one within us. Uh, it's, it's, our, it's our work to allow the spirit, to allow the, the, the Christ that's within us uh, to be revealed and, to, um, and to, to move the flesh, move the, the false self uh, to, to a less prominent position. You know, we'll never, this side of the, this side of the grave, uh, we're never going to completely um, uh, lose the false self. I mean, there might be a few uh, people like um, uh, Jesus, um, uh, people like Father Thomas Keating, uh, uh, Father Thomas Merton, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. You know, those are just, just a few examples of people I can think of who have really uh, uh, greatly diminished the role of the false selves in their lives, but most of us aren't going to do that. Paul himself, I mean, he just told us about it. He, he, he knows how hard it is. Yet, yet this is our work, and this is what, what Jesus is, uh, what Paul, pardon me, what Paul is calling us to here. And he says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. You know, all those symptoms that I, that I mentioned just a moment ago, those those things that we do to satisfy the, the insatiable egoic needs uh, that we have. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the, uh, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Don't you see that? Isn't that something that you know in your own life? Then when we set our things on the on, on whatever it is, whatever objects we're using to satisfy our own egoic desires, it, it just, at the end of the day, feels like death. When we're defending ourselves against, uh, against suffering and against reality, instead of uh, being vulnerable to it, opening ourselves up to it and allowing it to, to enter our lives and transform us in some way. You know, when we're defending against all of that, ultimately it does feel like death. But when we're vulnerable and, and available to the indwelling Christ, the Christ that's living within us and, and, and working within us and, and, and wanting, longing to be uh, expressed, it feels like life and peace. So you see, they're not, it's, it's not that flesh bad, spirit good. They're both part of us. Uh, and and it, it, it's up to us to awaken to that, to awaken to the Spirit, to allow the Spirit to, uh, to be expressed within us. For this reason, he says, the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God, is, does not submit to the law. You know, that's the bind we're in. I mean, the law's, the law's good. God, God gave us the law for our, for our benefit. God gave us the law really for our healing. We just, we just push it aside. Because the law, uh, if, we, if we were completely obedient to the law, then uh, we would return God to the, to the throne and the imperial ego would have to, would have to uh, move off stage. And then he concludes by saying, but you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. Um, but if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Righteousness being meaning to be in right relationship with God and right relationship with our neighbors. Um, 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, in other words, if God's spirit, the power of God is alive in you and you are available and awake to that, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So you see, you know, Paul can be, uh, no surprise, a little repetitive. And so because we're, we're slow learners, Paul has said the same thing about four different times in this, uh, in, in this little bit that we read this morning from uh, the eighth chapter of his letter to the Romans. But over and over he's saying, let go of the egoic desire to satisfy yourself by making objects of, of others. Let go of your egoic desire to satisfy yourselves by giving your life to anything other than God. And if you do, if you give your life to God only, if you give your life to the, the spirit that dwells within you, then you will experience uh, grace, peace, life. So I think this is a, a, a wonderful uh, introduction for us into this eighth chapter of, of the letter to the Romans. We'll be uh, considering the, the rest of the chapter in the, in, the, in the couple of Sundays to follow, and I look forward uh, to being uh, back with you to do just that. Um, but uh, for, for today, I'm going to uh, wish you uh, a, a wonderful uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, I hope that it's, you'll have an opportunity to, to get outside, uh, take a walk, get a little exercise, uh, enjoy the, uh, what I know is going to be a, a, a beautiful day. I'm counting on it being a beautiful day because, after all, summer does begin in the Northwest on July 5th, and here I am speaking to you on July 12th. So, um, so many blessings to you, and uh, go back to, to, to your prayer time. Go back to a place of, of introspection, a place where you can look deep within yourself uh, and, and find the indwelling Christ and let go of that, uh, uh, of that uh, need to find uh, anything outside of your relationship with Christ. Amen. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website at www.stthomasmedina.org.